0: Welcome to Life Church. We are an X242 Community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through his word and by his spirit. And so today we're talking about here I am. And funny enough, as Craig started off at the beginning today. What was really interesting, when he shared his heart about why are you here today, funny enough, that's in my notes, but we'll get to that a little bit later, but a lot of what Craig was saying is on my heart today, and that's always good, and, and with Horace and Theon and the guys leading worship, a lot of what was being said, it's on my heart today, so what the good news is, is that I feel like we're in tune, yeah, because here's the thing, we can all be singing the same song, church, yeah? We can all be singing the same words on a Sunday morning. But actually, it's about being in tune with the song. And sometimes we're a little bit out of tune. And sometimes God just wants to make little adjustments to bring us back into tune. Did you like that analogy? Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, I like that one. It just come off the top of my head there. So, I like that one. So, but the idea is, is God is just going to tune us, yeah? And he wants us to tune our ear to his voice and who he is and what his plans and purposes are for us today. So I'll get back to my notes. So in the Bible, so basically today I want to talk to you about that particular phrase. But in the Bible, there are several instances where individuals say, here I am. And they respond to a call from God. You know, Abraham, so we'll get to this. So I'll get in tune with my clicker in a minute. I'll get that working in the way I want. But Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 1 to 2. Well, in verse 1, he said, sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, And Abraham responded, here I am. He heard the voice of God and he responded. And this was in context too. God was speaking to Abraham about a real difficult situation. He was testing him. He was asking him to go and take his son Isaac. He was asking him to go and sacrifice him. Now, thank the Lord that we don't really, the Lord doesn't ask us to go and do that much these days. You know, I'm sure social services and other people would be rocking up in Abraham's door and giving him a little knock. But the whole point at that time was God was just testing him in that day, in that age, in that era, what was going on. And the challenges that Abraham had in coming to that conclusion, do I follow God's voice even though it sounds absolutely crazy? Does this sound weird? Does this sound like totally bonkers? Am I actually hearing God? He wouldn't have known about mental health and things back then. He wouldn't have been checking out and thinking, is this right? Do I need to go and get an assessment? But he heard the voice of God and he knew that ultimately somehow He had to follow God's voice in this. The second one was Jacob. So Jacob in Genesis 46, 2-4. And so Jacob set out for Egypt with all his possessions. And when he came to Bathsheba, he offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob he called. And Jacob replied, here I am. So I'm going to go through a couple of these today just to give you a background before I get into it. Moses, in Exodus 3, 4. Moses was tending to his flock. He was out with the sheep. He was about his daily business, his daily job, the things that he had to get done. And while he's out and about, he comes across a burning bush, as you do. You know, they're just there, aren't they, all the time. And it's like he's just got this burning bush. And as he's seen this burning bush, it says that he drawed closer to it. He wanted to know, what is this? As you would, what's this burning bush? How's it burning? So it says in, in verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush and he cried out again, Moses, Moses. And he responded, here I am. Here I am. And then as we go on further on, there are several other people within the word. Samuel. There was um, Isaiah. Here I am, send me. You know, he was available with what the Lord was calling him to do. And then finally, Ananias, I always struggle saying that one. But throughout the Bible, there are people who God has spoken to and they've responded with, here I am. So what I want to say to you today, church, is what does that mean? What does that mean to you and me? What's that context for you and me today? When we, when we, you know, when we turn around and we say, here I am. I'll tell you what I think it means. It means um, surrender. It means acknowledging that God is calling us to to something that's greater than you and me. There's a bigger plan out there. We might not know it all. We might not understand it. We might not see it. But God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. So when we make ourselves available, it's saying, God, here I am in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the great times, wherever I am. God here I am I'm available for you you know and sometimes we need to lay down and put aside our plans and purposes the things that we've got going on our lives God may ask us and call us to do that and I want to ask you church it's a challenging question it's a personal question and I don't want you to put your hand up but how passionate today are you about your walk with the Lord how passionate are you about your personal relationship with Jesus and I want you to think about well, like when was the last time I even spoke about him to somebody who doesn't know him in a way that as if I've just met my girlfriend and I'm totally in love and I can't talk about this person any more than I can because you know what I'm just besotted with it you know when you're first dating? It's like that every day in our house, by the way. Me I mean, we talk like that every day. We're coming up to our 25th anniversary and it's like we first met every day. And having four kids does not put any pressure or stress on us whatsoever. We just talk like we are just besotted and totally in love every day without fail. You know, when we've... What's that? Talk to Paul. Talk to Paul. I'll talk to Paul. So, <laughs> I don't think you're getting the, uh, the English sarcasm here a little bit, Dorothy, but... What I'm trying to say is, here, here's, here's, here's where we're at. It's like, I remember when we first dated, you know, me and Ruth would be chatting on the phone and I'd be like, how are you, honey?" And she's like, oh, I'm fine. All the, all, the be- all the better for hearing your voice. And I'm like, oh, well, that's good because we're going to be on for a good while. And we'd chat for two, three hours and it would seem effortless. It wouldn't be anything involved in any. it. And then the hard part was, who puts the phone down first? <laughs> Ever been there? Go on, you put the phone down, go on. And then you'd say, all right, I'm going now, honey, and bye, I love you, yeah, love you, love you, love you, honey, love you, Peter, oh, yeah, I love you so much, yeah, okay, so listen, I'm going now, yeah, okay, love you, and then we're still there 15 minutes later, trying to work out who's the first person to put the phone down, so, me and Ruth, but here's the thing, how, are you like that with the Lord, you know, are you passionate about him, does it come out when you're speaking to people, you know, are you more, does it sound like you're more passionate about Liverpool Football Club, the greatest team in the world? Yeah? I've seen that laugh then, Monty. But anyway, you know, sometimes we can be more passionate about those things or the latest Netflix series. Or, oh, have you heard what's going on? Or, oh, it's week two of this or that. We can fall into these traps, can't we, church? What we, what we invest in, what we talk about is ultimately mostly what we're passionate about. So I want you to do a little heart check of how often do I talk to people about the Lord? Because he means the world to me. He means everything to me. And listen, I'm, I would call myself an evangelist. And I, talk, I need to talk about him more. And I need to tell people about him more. You know, I'm not saying I've arrived. I don't just because I get to stand up here and Craig and Dorothy and Paul and uh, Catherine and Chris and different people. Doesn't mean we've arrived. We haven't. We're just the same. We've just been given this job to talk a little bit and be a little bit accountable for what we say. So let's think about how often we talk about him. Let's put apart our desires, our plans, our purposes if they're getting in the way. Are you willing just to give everything if he calls you? You know, like like those things of those men that I've just mentioned, you know? I'm going to get to Moses shortly, but unfortunately, I'll be honest with you, many of us are not willing. <clears throat> many of us are not willing, church. At times, we can put other things first. I've done it myself, and I do do it at times. I become consumed with work or... or um, the kids or the family or whatever it is things can just seem to creep in and take over my life that they become the higher sort of need or responsibility at that time and some days I'll be honest with you I can turn around and go Lord I haven't even spoke to you today it's not good it's not good church and we need to check our hearts you know if I didn't speak to Ruth every day she'd probably be made up you know what I mean? she think, oh great, I haven't got a problem. I crack lots of jokes, so all this humour that I do, poor Ruth has to put up with that 24-7, you know what I mean? Even when we're in the shops and cracking jokes and everything else. But if I didn't talk to Ruth and we didn't communicate every day, we wouldn't have much of a relationship, would we? It'd be quite a poor relationship, and eventually that relationship will fall down, and it will break, and it will fold, and it's not going to last. It's not going to run its race. So we have to think about that with the Lord, you know. And so we, we, we have to do that with that same level of passion. And I also just realized I've missed my clicker. So there you go. I should have said that, put that up before. Um, but we, you know, sometimes we make excuses to God as well. You know, what, in what he's calling us to do. We can simply just ignore his call altogether. You know, when I was a young, young lad, I was about, I got saved when I was about 16. And I had a real encounter with Jesus. I initially went to church because I wanted a girlfriend. And there was lots of good-looking girls. It was amazing. It was great. You know, didn't seem to find the right one I was after. The one I was after, my mates ended up going with and, you know, dating with her. I was heartbroken for about 15 minutes and and then I moved on, you know. But it was just like, the thing for me was, was that I tried to do it in my own strength. Though Ruth wasn't there then. (laughs) Ruth wasn't there (laughs) then. I'll get to that. I'll have to correct myself now, won't I? Before I've got a black eye when I get home. But the point was, was that, I went, what I did is I, I thought I can do this a little bit better myself, so I'm not finding what I'm after in church, and I'm not really connecting with a couple of, the, so I actually got involved with a couple of compromising, backslidden Christian mates, and they were going out clubbing it every night, and they were drinking, and all of those things, and I thought, you know what, I'll find a girlfriend outside, I'll do it outside instead, that's what I thought, and um, so I went clubbing it, and drinking, and all of that stuff, compromising, lukewarm Christian, I was in the middle, I wasn't hot or cold, I was in the middle, I was still going to church occasionally, I was still showing my face, and eventually God spoke to me while I was in the nightclubs, freaked me out, woke me up, and I never went back, he set me free and said, Pete, get out of here, I've got a plan and a purpose and a call on your life, you're wasting it all, wake up, oh sleeper, and he spoke to me, and he set me free, and I went back, I told my mates, moved on and everything else but God kept me through that whole process even though I was lukewarm you know he says I'll spit you out if you're in the middle be hot or cold don't be in the middle don't just turn up at church on a Sunday and show your face it's not good enough makes them after your heart is what I'm after and I believe there's people here today and you're struggling with purpose you're struggling with identity who am I not just here I am some of you are thinking who am I What's my role? What's my purpose in the body of Christ? It's the biggest challenge that we have. What's my role? Okay, it's all right for you, Pete. You found what you was. Well, it took me to the age of 38 to get there because I made lots of mistakes and got distracted. I was always evangelistic, but I'm confident enough to say, yeah, I'm an evangelist now. I know who I am. But i still got other identity as well, hidden in Christ. There's other gifts that I use. You know, I'm also a husband. I'm also a father. There's lots of things that God's called me to do. Um, and some maybe coming here today and I want to challenge you this men particularly are you coming here today just because your wife brings you are you here if your wife didn't come would you still come that's a that's that's what I'm checking I'm checking on the heart here for each and every one of us equally to make it equality you know if it was the other way around yeah and your wife chose not to come or your, your uh, husband stopped, chose, chose not to come, would you, as the wife still come? Yeah? Question that for yourself. Just think, is it, have we always got to be together to come to church? Or actually, do I have a personal walk with God? Is it, it's like, I know what the Lord's telling me as an individual, not just as, as a couple. I know what the Lord's telling me to do, and I know where he's telling me to be. You know, for some of us, it fits in with our schedule. For others, it's because the kids' work's really good, and we get an hour's peace and quiet, because it's great, and the kids go in there. Um, for others you may like the music and for others it might be just you know what I've just got friends here I've just got lots of friends but all of those things that I've just mentioned they're not good enough church that's not what God wants this is a celebration of a community coming together to worship together don't forsake the gathering of the saints don't forsake this this is important what we do on a Sunday but here's the thing what God is seeking is your heart that's the one thing he wants, and it's the difficult, most difficult thing you and I struggle to give because our hearts is filled with lots of things. You know, like in Hebrew and, and, and Greek, the word love is, is, this is not even on my notes now, but the, the word Greek, in, in Greek and um, Hebrew, <coughs> the words for love are very different than ours. They're very expressive. Like in, um, in Hebrew, for example, it's raya, ahava, and Dod. and they're three different expressions of the word love. You know, one is like a, a close, like, like a friendship. The other is like a deep, like passionate friendship. And the other is the physical aspect of love. They're very different aspects of love. But God is craving all threes. He wants us. He wants our hearts. He wants everything. He wants us to present ourselves with every aspect of our bodies, every aspect of our minds and our hearts. He wants it all. Just doesn't want the little dregs and leftovers at the end of the week. But, you know, when I say here I am to God, we're saying that we trust him completely, church. I trust him with the decisions that he wants to make for my life. I'm saying that I want you to take the reins in my life. You know, his plans for our life will be better than any of ours. When have I ever gone my own way and come out on top? Actually, it, it always causes a mess. God's the safest place and in the will of God is the safest place you can ever be. Even if you're in a war-torn country, if God wants you there, that is the best possible place you can be. It may be difficult, it may be challenging, it may have its trials, but you will be in the best possible place. Are you in the will of God this morning, church? Are you even thinking about what God's will is for your life? Or do we just turn around and turn up on a Sunday morning together and the occasional home group? Because God wants more. He's a jealous God. He wants it all. He wants 100% of our hearts, not just the little bit we give him on a Sunday morning. you know we're saying that you know we're willing to step out in faith and follow him wherever it leads you know are we like this and do we want to do this do we want to save and pursue the things that i'm talking about or is it just not on our radar for some of us because we are so busy you know this kind of surrender is not easy you know it requires us to let go and let god and i just want everyone to say that just say say I need to let go and let God. After three, let go and let God. Now, I know we can do better than that. So, after three, let's say it again, everybody. Let's let go and let God. There you go. That was better. But here's the thing. When we do this, you know what we're saying is Lord take control of my desires Lord take control of my plans I'm trust and willing to take risks and step out of my comfort zone you know for me it was like even the job that I'm doing it's like quite an international job flying out different places I felt stressed I felt like this is a bit above and beyond me I thought they're giving me this role and I think Lord can I do it and I've got this wife who's going just take the risk go for it I think you can do it you can smash it and I feel like the Lord's you know this is the Lord opening the doors for you because I like all my ducks in a row i like all my line i like everything in a box nice and safe and and i like to work it out and i manage risk and i I do risks and i go yeah if i get to i'm like a chess player i'm thinking three four moves ahead but when we put our trust and our faith in him do you know what happens god just messes the board up and i can't make sense of any of it i'm thinking i don't know what the next move is why because i'm relying and depending upon him instead of me And my life has been consumed for so many years, depending upon me. And many years ago, I fell into some financial difficulties. And you know what happened? I had to make all of those choices myself to get myself through it. I used credit cards to sort out a financial difficulty. I had no work for a year. I had to pay the mortgage. I had to do lots of things that was really, really challenging and difficult. And I could see no way out of this. No way whatsoever. And I got myself into a mess. And then it was like, oh, Lord. you know how do I even get out of this how do I sort it I can't see the end I can't see this is an impossible situation my wages are so small I'm never going to be able to pay this off and I didn't even plan to say this this morning but someone came up to me and Ruth and went we want to bless you and we want to pay that off for you and it was a lot of money you know God does those things I had no way of sorting that situation myself. We would have still been there now if I was in that situation, trust me. And we'll always be thankful to those good people who did that for us. And God wants to do without you. You know why? Because he knows your needs. He knows your heart. He's a sovereign God. He was there when the problems happened. He's in the center of whatever you're going through now and he'll be there in the future. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. There's nothing that takes God by surprise, church. So whatever you're battling, he knows about it. But we need to walk with him and trust in him. You know, when we let go and let God, we have to give him our doubts. We have to give him our worries and our anxieties. We need to be able to, you know, surrender to him. We need to be able to um, submit to his will. We need to let him shine through that situation. And also, we need to let him be the main focus in our lives. Is he the main focus for you at this moment in time? That's what we need to question ourselves. If he isn't, okay, well, how do I adjust that? I repent. God, forgive me for looking somewhere else. God, forgive me for just going my way. You know, but when we do, we can experience things that can only come from following God and God's plan for our lives, and that's the peace that surpasses all natural and earthly understanding. And I just want to think about, you know, the fruit of going our own way. When we go our own way, what does that look like? Well, it looks like things like, I become broken. I can, I can be filled with condemnation. I can become with sinful, selfish desires. It leads to total distractions in my life. When I do it my way, I've never gone my way and come out on top, like I said before. But when I go his way, God's plan is of peace, of life, of fullness, of joy. And in Romans 8, 1, it says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It already came out this morning. Romans 8, 39, nothing can separate you and I from the love of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ Jesus this morning, be reassured, nothing can separate you from his love. If you are not in Christ this morning, you are separated. That is the fruit of it. If you ever haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior tonight, uh, today, look, that's the evangelist bit coming out Tonight. I'll, I'll be taking an altar call in a minute. Um, I've been working in Ireland every night. And, and, but, but the thing is, is that if, if, if we don't give him our hearts yet and we don't commit everything to him and we don't say, Lord, have your way, have your will, take control of my life, you have the reins. Is he fully in control of our life? You know, if we act like the world and we look like the world, then we're probably still part of the world. Yeah, just because I walk around with a Bible under my, under my shoulder and I can walk around on a Sunday morning and look the part. Does that mean I look? Yeah, I might look like a Christian, but am I a Christian? Because God knows my heart. And one day we will all stand before him face to face and I can't blag him. As much as I'm a scouser and we can blag people, trust me, it comes as part of the culture. We can I can, I can crack a few jokes with him, oh, go on, let me in. But he's not interested in that because what he's after is Peter. Did you do what I asked you to do? Did you have relationship? Did you understand that Jesus died for you on the cross? That he paid the price for your sin? Did you accept that free gift? Or did you just go through the motions? You look the part. We can wave our hands. We can shut our eyes. But you know what, church? It's not enough. He wants your heart this morning. So what can happen is, you know, sometimes... He never promised us an easy ride and he never went through that himself. And as I say, those trials and difficulties, you know, with God at the center of it, are a lot easier to cope with. But the Bible is full of individuals who said, here I am, and uh, here I am to God, and followed his call, even when it was difficult or it was risky. One such example I mentioned before was Moses, and he said, here I am. And God then tells him, you know, he's chosen him to go and lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. What's Moses' top excuses? Number one was, I'm not good enough. Has anyone ever felt not good enough? I feel not good enough a lot, church, at times. Trust me. I don't feel good enough. The second one was, I don't have all the answers. You know, Lord, you're trying to send me. I don't have all the answers. How am I going to speak to this person? How am I going to resolve it? I'm not, you know, I just, I can't do this. You know, I don't feel, you know, who should I say sent me? Number three, people won't believe me. In Exodus 4.1, what if people say the Lord hasn't sent me? Oh, it might just throw me into doubt. It might just make me think, oh. Number four, I'm a terrible public speaker. Exodus 4.10, I can't speak well. He had a stammer or really poor communication skills. That's, that was Moses. He, he wasn't good at that. And number five, I'm not qualified enough. I haven't been to Bible school. I haven't gone through the, 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 the five steps of Bible. or I haven't been through the Alpha and I haven't been steps to peace with God and I haven't been on the Freedom in Christ course. I haven't done all of these things. We can sort of all of a sudden disqualify ourselves. But instead, he surrendered to God. He surrendered to God, you know, and said, here I am. And I believe that's what God is saying to each and every one of us today. Here's the challenge. Are you prepared to say to God this morning, here I am, in the mess, the brokenness, the challenges, the, the joys, the, the blessings, whatever it is, for you today, are you prepared to say, here I am, because that's the question church, that's what this is all about, this, and we might just finish this sermon and you might just forget all about this by, we get past the tea and coffee for some people, for others you might be thinking a little bit about this as we go down the road. And for others, it may rest in and sink into this week. But the Lord, I really believe, is saying to each individual person this morning is, are you prepared to say, here I am? I'm available, Lord. Send me wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do. I just want a relationship with you, Jesus. You know, and because of that obedience, Moses seen amazing things in his life. And we need to be saying that, not my will, Lord, your will be done. Yeah, not my will, you'll be done. And we can all disqualify ourselves today, Chase, because we know the good, the bad, and the ugly about ourselves. But guess what? Because we know all the good, the bad, and the ugly about ourselves, we know how we speak to our wives occasionally when we've got a mood on, or we're tired, or we're, we're a bit narky, or our kids, we can lose it a little bit because we have stresses and pressures in life. I mean, it's probably just me talking here about myself, isn't it? No one else has any of these types of problems, surely. No? Yeah, no answer, thoughts. So it's just me you don't have to put your hands up, but what I'm saying is, you know, whatever we're going through, God knows the good, the bad and the ugly, but guess what, and he still is passionately and factually in love with you, and he's not going to give up on you, and he won't, as many times as we mess up, and we screw up, and we do stupid things, he's like, but I still love you, Pete, I still love you, Craig, with your painting and decorating gear on in church, He's like, you know, have you seen Craig's pants? They're full of rips. We need to take an offering, everyone. Our pastor is not getting enough money. He's got, he's got terrible holes in his pants. We should not have this situation going. Sorry, it's fashion. I don't rip my pants because I'm just not fashionable. So. And I don't even know where I'm up to on my notes now, but there you go. Um, but yeah... But it's because of his grace and his mercy and his love towards us. You're his child and he loves you. If you're a male here today, you are his son. If you're a female today, you are his daughter. So we are his kids and he loves his kids and he just wants close, intimate relationship with us. Okay? Um, Another example found in the New Testament was, was when Jesus calls out to Peter and his brother Andrew while they were fishing. They were going about their daily business and the call came to them. Jesus called to them while they were in work, and he says, come follow me, and I will make you fishes of men, and the Bible tells us that they immediately left what they were doing to follow Jesus, immediately they responded, would you and I do that, peace, jump on a plane to Africa tomorrow, well, Lord, there's this to do, and that to do, and everything else, I mean, appreciate that, probably simpler lives, but they still had wives and complex things to go through. Are we prepared to say, here I am? Them guys probably maybe had a mindset going, I'm fed up with this fishing lark. It's doing me heading. Here I am, Lord, use me. Next thing, Jesus pops up and goes, come with me. All right, lads, and they're off. And 12 fellas changed the world because they were obedient. So today I want to say, are you willing to say, here I am to God? Are you willing to surrender to his will in, in your life, even if it costs you? And I have a question again. I'm just going to repeat it, but are you here because your wife has brought you or your husband are you here for the kids are you here for the worship are you here just to connect with your friends are you here because you were brought up a Christian and it's the right thing to do so I'm just going to stay in that pattern and rhythm of life and I'll bring my kids up with the same pattern and rhythm of life of listen kids we go to church that's what we do we're Christians And we go to church, but nothing about the intimacy and that personal relationship. So next scripture, finally, as we're coming into land, is John 4, 23. And it says that God is actively looking for men and women who will worship him in spirit and truth. He's looking for people who are turning up every day, reporting for his assignments, church. You know, from the moment you got up this morning, church, he was with you putting your socks on, he's with you, when the kickoff happens with the kids and the screaming and the shouting if you've got kids, he was still there in the midst of that chaos, he was with you on your drive-in, he's with you now, he's with you when you leave, he's with you when you go home, he's with you when you go to bed and when you sleep, he's with you, he's a sovereign God and he's involved in every aspect of our lives, so we need to just be mindful and aware of Lord, help me tune my ear to your voice, I want to hear your voice, Lord. I'm hearing about all these people who've heard you, God, in their hearts and in their ears. Tune my spiritual ear, Lord, to your voice so I know where I need to go because here's the problem, church. If I don't... You know, like when you've got a GPS, a sat-nav, if you put in the sat-nav, the destination that you're going, what happens is... I type in and I live on sat-navs, Ruth knows. I dropped Ruth off and my family once uh, at Manchester Airport when I'd not long been driving. I drove home and I had to ring Ruth and go, Ruth, I don't know where I am. I didn't have a sat-nav. I'm terrible with directions. I have dyslexia and I struggle with directions. So I said, Ruth, I don't know where I am. I've pulled in a services. Where do I go, love? I'm sweating here. I'm like, you know, I've, I've, I just don't know where I am. She went, well, what's the name of the services? I went, Sandback Services. So when you go going to Birmingham, Peter, turn round. You're going the wrong dif- direction. But here's the thing, it's like you and I, when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, he's a bit like a, sat- sat- a sat-nav. And here's the thing, we put in our destination and we say, I'm going that way. Here I am, Lord. I'm going that way, wherever you call me, wherever it is. Now, if I don't put that in, what happens is when I'm particularly in a town center or in a built up place, I have to get to a junction, I have to stop, I have to read the signs, and then I have to think about do I go left, right, or straight on every junction that I come to. And that's what it's like for you and me if we don't trust in the Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives. We don't put that destination in and have a fixed mind, a fixed walk, and a fixed path of where I'm going with God. Every, every decision that comes up in my life, I'm going to have to decide whether I go left, right or straight on. And what I want to say to you this morning, churches, do you know what? Sometimes <clears throat> situations will come up in your life and challenges. And for example, if a friend comes up to me and goes, Peter, do you want some drugs? I can just say no there and then. I don't need to go for a three-hour prayer meeting and ring me pastor and ask him, do you think I should take these drugs, Pastor. Do you think, I should just, can we have a prayer meeting about that tonight? I'm just debating whether it's the right thing to do or not to do. Well, sometimes that's what our life can be like if we're not fixed with the Holy Spirit and we're not following and hearing His voice and going the direction that He's told you to go. What can happen is, you come to every junction, you stop, you have to look and think and question. But when we're hearing His voice, I've got a fixed mind. I know where I'm going. I don't need these distractions coming in. I'm just going. It'll tell me, The Lord will tell me when I need to go left and right. And so i'm saying this morning now as it says in verse 23 but the time is coming indeed here and now when true worshippers will worship the father in spirit and truth the father is looking for those who will worship him that way that's what he's after he's after your heart church does god have your heart this morning only you know that it's not a condemnation thing it's a provoking thing, it's a questioning thing, it's a something I have to do for me. And when I'm around people, I want them to be saying that to me. Peter, where are you at this week? How are you? You seem really busy. Have you had time with Jesus? Because that's what we do if we love one another, build one another up, encourage each other. I don't want to just be around the gang of lads who want to talk about footy all the time. That's okay. It's great. And we have fun. But if all my time is consumed, 90% of my time talking about football, and that's, it's not edifying, it doesn't build me up, it's just conversation. I want it to be 90-10 split. I want 90-10. I want men around me and friends who want to talk about Jesus. And so I'll finish now, but this little story, which is going to take five minutes to finish, okay? And I think it will inspire you about the significance of what you and I have. We're all children of God. No, um, um, <clears throat> So This will inspire you and encourage you and it's quite a powerful little story. It's not my story, it's not one of my little testimonies. It's people who are far higher up the ladder as you'll start to see. And so I'm going to start with a guy. Has everyone here ever heard of Edward Kimball? I hadn't heard of him until about a month ago. He was a Sunday school teacher and as a Sunday school teacher, he was faithful like our Sunday school teachers are in there today, teaching our kids and helping them and understand And what happened with Edward Kimball is, is that I think that looks like Rob McDade with no beard, actually. (laughs) Same hairstyle, Rob, maybe. No, (laughs) You have got better hair, actually, mate. I'll give you that. He uses like Vidal Sassoon or something, or Paul Mitchum. But anyway, so what happened was with Edward Kimball was, he was a Sunday school teacher, and he was passionate about the young people that he he was responsible for, like our guys. Does anyone do kids working here on our Sundays? Dorothy? Anyone else? Got... Yeah, okay. Anyone else? Saki sometimes, yeah? Okay, so we have people in here who are investing in our children. So this story will particularly resound with you. But the idea is that it will resound with every one of us. Now, Edward Kimball had all of these guys. And he had this young lad who was a particularly challenging lad. He, he didn't engage well on the Sunday mornings. He was, he was a tough character <clears throat> when he was doing Sunday school. And one day, Edward Kimball, this lad, worked as a shoe clerk. He had a little job just doing jobs in a shoe shop. And he went into the shoe shop and he just challenged this young man about his life with Jesus. And so Edward Kimball turned around and said, um, and this was 1858, by the way, 1858. And he said to this young man, you need to give your life to Christ and today's the day that that's going to happen. That young man gave his life to Jesus. That young man's name was D.L. Moody. Now, you may have heard of D.L. Moody. Yeah, mighty man of God, one of the world's greatest evangelists. Yeah. Yeah had a powerful ministry and was used mightily for God. Now, Dale Moody eventually went into ministry and obviously become an evangelist and an international speaker. He even toured the UK and many places around the world. But while he was in the UK, he met this other guy called F.B. Mayer, Frederick Mayer. Now, Mayer had a pastor of a small church. Now, this little church was quite insignificant, but Dale Moody came and spoke there and... and, and um, Mayer was so inspired by D.L. Moody's ministry, it really had an impact on him. And he went, I need to follow this guy's ministry and get part of it. So F.B. Mayer started like doing the D.L. Moody style of evangelism. And it just had a radical change on his life and his ministry, which was so fruitful. Mayer eventually moved over and preached in America. Ended up in a place called Northfield, where he heard a young preacher Uh, Sorry, where, where a young preacher heard him say, if you're not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? And that remark led to J. Wilbur Chapman, who's the next guy, J. Wilbur Chapman, to respond to God's call on his life. Wilbur Chapman went on to become an amazing, powerful evangelist also with Big Ten Crusades and ministries. And then he had an impact on a guy called Billy Sunday, and that's his actual name, Billy Sunday. And he was a professional baseball player as well as a pastor in a church church. Now, Billy Sunday was quite an eccentric guy, he was known for running up at the end of the meeting, like, you know, they run in the bases and slide in at the end, well, at the end of a sermon, he would run down the middle and slide, you know, and, well, I could, me me, and Craig might do it at the end, Uh, we haven't got time, because I'm pushing it here, but, Here's the thing, Billy, Billy Sunday was a, an extravagant, like amazing sort of passionate, powerful guy. He had a very dynamic mission, uh, ministry and he's seen thousands and thousands of people won for Christ. And inspired by Billy Sunday's crusade in Charlotte, a group of Christian men decided to um, do a big outreach as well themselves. And they also had a guy called Mordecai Ham, what a name. What a name. I've never heard of this guy up until a month ago. But he was a powerful evangelist over in America. Big Ten Crusades. Thousands and thousands of people won for Christ. And At one of Mordecai Ham's events over in Charlotte, there was a, a, this was 1932 we're in now. 1932. So we started off at 18. Come on, Rob. You're good at remembering dates. 1858. There you go. I knew I could rely on Rob for that. So 1858 to 1932 we're in now. And Mordecai Ham is preaching the gospel powerfully, powerfully, and thousands of people are always just responding to the gospel. But on this particular night in 1932, a young boy came forward, and his name was Grady Wilson. He was 16 years of age. Now, Grady Wilson gave his life to Christ that night, but he also brought with him his best friend, and his best friend's name was Billy Graham. We've all heard of that. Probably one of the greatest evangelists alongside with Dale Moody who's led millions and millions and millions of people to Christ. And that, so the reason for me, the reason I talk about this is who remembers the name of the first guy? There you go, Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was the name of the first guy. So Edward Kimball, from 1858 to 1932... Edward Kimball did not know the impact and the investments that he was making in reaching out to a young boy who had an attitude problem, who was argumentative, who was difficult. He didn't know he was going to go on to lead D.L. Moody to Christ. Now from that whole lineage there, from Edward Kimball ended up with Billy Graham giving his life to Christ. And the reason I say this to you this morning, church, is that it's a powerful story and an inspiring story. You do not know the impact that you will have on a person around you. You do not know the impact of, as Sunday school teachers, of those little kids in there, who's the next next potential? Billy Graham. But actually, they could be one of the other guys who were just as successful in a different way. We do not know that, church, so you and I have to think about our walk and our personal faith in God. I don't know if the fellow that I'm going to meet in two weeks' time in a taxi in Dublin or Belfast gives his life to Christ and he leads someone three times. You know, someone gets saved three stages further on. Who's a powerful evangelist? We don't know, but one day when we get to heaven, we will. You know, Edward Kimball would never, would never have known that his leading one little boy to Christ led to millions and millions of people giving their life to Jesus. So let's not, let's not despise what little things happen in our lives. Let's just keep our eyes on him, each and every one of us. Let's say, here I am this morning. Are you prepared to say that, church? Or has the big scouser with the skinhead and broken nose at the front just been talking to himself? I don't think I have. But the point is, I'm saying to you is, it's a heart issue. It's not just a head. Let's move it from here and let's get it in here and say, Lord Jesus Christ, Father God, here I am today. Use me, send me, I'm available. I love you, I want to be closer to you, I want to draw to you. I'm not just coming for my wife anymore. I'm not just coming because my husband's bringing me. I'm here because I want to be here. And church, you know what? 95% of your walk with God is outside these walls. Please don't think this is what it's all about. This is like 5%. This is an encouragement and a builder up and a challenger. The 95% is what we do in our own time, in our cars, in our way to work, in our quiet times, our reading the Word. That's what God's after. And when we stand before Him face-to-face one day, church, that's the, the, the intimacy that we will have. Because guess what? We'll be very intimate with them then. <laughs> very intimate face-to-face. So listen, I'm finished. I was going to play a song for you. We don't have time for that. But... Um, I just want you to just close your eyes, and I'm just going to pray for you. Yeah, and I just, I just want you to just stay. Everyone bow their heads. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that the privilege that I've had, Lord, just to share with my church just a few thoughts and ideas, Lord, that you've laid on my heart. And I just ask right now, Lord, that you will just lay upon each person's heart here right now, Lord, the challenge of saying to you, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Tune our spiritual ears to your voice, Father. I just ask in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you would just come by your Holy Spirit. Fill each person now, Lord, with your peace and your love and your presence. I pray that you will build each person's faith today, Lord, that they can step out further than what they currently are, Lord. I pray for open doors in their heart, Lord, if they feel any areas that are closed, Lord, that today they open them up to you, Lord, in a deeper, more intimate way, that you are standing at the door and knocking at our hearts, Lord. And, Lord, yeah, we may have invited you in, Lord, but sometimes, Lord, the door is only a little bit open and we need to open that door fully to you, Lord, to your ways, your plans, your purposes. Oh, so Lord Jesus, I just pray right now, Father, Holy Spirit, just help each one of us, Lord, to be all that you've called us to be, and that, Lord, when we see you one day face to face, that you will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. So today, Lord, we say to you, as a church, as individuals, here I am. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.